Hey guys, welcome to our Coffee with Valentine today. Um, I wanted to talk a bit about um, something I preached about on Sunday. Uh, I want to go a little bit deeper into it called the cost sunk fallacy. If you remember the cost sunk fallacy, uh, here is just a reminder of what it is. So the cost sunk fallacy is the general tendency for people to continue an endeavor or continue consuming or pursuing an option if they've invested time or money or some resource in it. That effect becomes a fallacy if it's pushing you to do things that are making you unhappy or worse off. so this was uh, recently you know, told, told to me by my friend, my friend out of Texas, and uh, he's just a good friend of mine. And so just you know, showing me this, this reality of uh, the cost sunk fallacy. And, and a lot of times, you know, this illustration is like, you know, a, a couple that's, you know, they've been together for a long time. Um, they've been together for, for even years and uh, they've just been doing, doing life you know, and everything. And, you know, as a, not even not a married couple, just a dating couple. And they're just basically t- only together because they've been together for so long. And so even though the relationship's not good, uh, it's actually making both of them worse off. It's not benefiting either one of them. Um, they just stick with it. They just keep going with it. And, uh, and so because they've sunk a lot of time and effort into this relationship. And so they basically kind of just want to make it force it, like force it to work, just basically kind of make it work. Um, because they want it to just because they've, they've sunk so much time and energy and effort into it. Um, and, uh, and so, so basically this, you know, this, uh, idea of, um, applies to money, of course, invested time and energy, uh, and, or pain, uh, can also influence, you know, the, the behavior, um, there, for some reason, there's, there's psychological issues. I mean, they did like several, this article that I read in time magazine talking about several different examples of, of, of different things, you know, uh, different uh, labs that they, that they did, um, <coughs> basically saying, you know, well, we've, we've sunk enough energy and time and, and all these things in, into our money, especially like money when money is, is involved. Uh, especially, uh, just as a, as an example, you know, something that I was processing through this week, uh, you know, last week, I would rather before preparing my sermon, uh, as I was preparing my sermon, was um, my decision to stick to seminary. Um, I had a chance to go and be a part of a new church plant that was pl- uh, planting a new church in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was going to go and work at uh, Lifeway, this you know, this Southern Baptist. Uh, material place and you know, for $17 an hour and it was going to be a good job. Um, and just, but I was, I was basically halfway in my, uh, seminary studies and I had, uh, had another half to finish. I believe I was about, about 2010 and I've been doing it for two years. And so, um, just weighing the, weighing the options and it was a great opportunity. Uh, great church that's still going today, flourishing, you know, th- thriving today, They've planted churches all over Nashville. Um, great leader that I still follow on Facebook and, and actually just reached out to uh, as well to, to just have a, a, a relationship with him, you know, kick, kickstart that relationship again, uh, just as a, another pastor, you know, mentor friend. And uh, because I just, I really, I greatly respect a lot of his social media posts. And so just looking at, uh, we can look at our lives oftentimes with this, this perspective of, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, if this would have happened, my life would would have been this or or that, and so, um, and so instead, I, I I chose not to go to Nashville. I chose to, to uh, to go to to stay at at Truett Seminary and stay at at the church that I was serving at for another year and a half or, or so. I think it was another two years, um, and I just I just I st- I stuck with it and I, I stayed there and I finished my seminary. 
um, and everything. And, you know, just there, there's a lot of, to me, both back and forth, like, you know, should I have done seminary? Should I not have done seminary? You know, do I feel like seminary really actually prepared me for ministry? I guess my answer would say no. Um, some senses, yes. Uh, but overall, I feel like there was a, a big lack that of things that I did not learn. I mean, not that I, I regret what I learned. and I absolutely love what I learned and loved my time there. Um, but it's this, I feel like that it was so empty in a lot of areas that were actually, would have been actually a lot more beneficial. Um, and now as I'm seeing a lot of these you know, people, there's lots of conversations about, you know, we are, we are failing at seminaries, you know, with these seminary, you know, directors and, and deans and provosts and, and, uh, and all these you know, professors saying we have failed and we are failing continually to actually prepare people for real ministry. Um, and so there's a lot of ways that I feel ill-equipped for ministry because of seminary, uh, whereas I feel greatly equipped theologically and, and my love for the scripture, which I absolutely love. I love the way that they equipped me, the way that they challenged me. All the things that I learned are very positive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking seminary at all. I'm just saying there, there are, are places there that are, are missing um, in seminary in our seminaries today that need to be corrected uh, for a, a new trajectory for learning. Um, and, uh, the, you know, so anyway, I digress basically saying that, um, there was a lot of opportunities, but because I had already invested thousands of dollars in student loans and basically said, you know, I've said this, like, I have to finish. I have to finish. I have to be a person of my word. I'm going to fulfill this. I'm going to work hard and finish, finish, finish. Now, don't get me wrong again. There are multi- these, these issues are multifaceted and are a contrast. I understand the paradox a lot of times, but, um, but it's that just simply because a, a big driving motivation in my head was I have to finish because I've sunk money into this and I've sunk my energy into this. I may as well go ahead and finish it because um, there's this weird distortion in my head, in my brain, in my thinking oftentimes when it comes to that, like judgment you know on others but you know specifically like myself so the way that i judge others is the way that i judge myself like you know that if i didn't finish something that i would be like lesser of a person or lesser of you know uh, a man for not finishing my commitments so you that i made to myself even though it wasn't necessarily a, a commitment or devotion except other than to myself like oh i'm gonna i've committed to myself that i'm gonna finish this um Versus being open to God's shifting your trajectory, shifting your um, your thoughts, shifting your um, your your occupation, um, shifting your time, shifting your focus in life, shifting your priorities. Um, God, as, as we need to be, we need to be open to God to shift our priorities in life. We need to be open for God to shift our trajectory in life. It's okay to shift your job, to change your job. It's not this thing that you're like, well, I've sunk this many, you know, I've sunk over, you know, 10 years in this, in this, this career, this job. Um, and there, you know, therefore that I feel like I can't do something else or I can't do anything else, or I can't leave this job because look at how much time I've, I've, sunk into this look how much time and devotion of my of my energy and my life that i've sunk into this and i would say like there if you're if you feel like you're wanting to stay at your job absolutely love your job stay there awesome but oftentimes i think there's some sometimes that pressure 
not just I'm not and I'm not talking about just job here. I'm talking about your know, life trajectory, life values. Like, what do you value in life? Like, what do you feel like you as a family value? Um, like, you know, I've made several shifts in my in my life over the last decade, even just you know thinking back and when I made the biggest shift of all from you know going from Texas to after finishing seminary and um, I was going to be youth pastors of the day I died. And in Texas and and committing to stay there and and to work at this church, you know, that was that was less than less than 10 10 years ago. That was 2013. That was seven years ago. And man, I tell you what, the the way that God has has transformed my life, transformed my thinking, transformed everything that that I am and how I think is just mind boggling. But it took one decision to say yes to shift my trajectory, to say yes to not just because I had sunk so much time and effort into pageants and sunk so much time and effort into my education in youth ministry and time and effort invested in uh, just living life in Texas, um, I gave it all up and said, God, I'm going to go where you want. I'm going to go to Seattle. Um, And going from this Southern California kid who wore rainbow sandals all the time and loved going to the beach and had a season pass to Disneyland um, to, <laughs> to even pick up from there and you know completely shift trajectory back into mystery after finishing my undergrad you know I was going to go into the world of audiovisual and be an audiovisual tech till the day I died and because <laughs> but the Lord again shifted my trajectory shifted my values as a person and instead of being a, a beach boy you know Southern California kid um, I'm now a Montana man um, splitting wood and, and shoveling snow and going backpacking and hiking, which is not on my trajectory, which is not at all on my, on my radar living in Southern California. I was just going to walk around Disneyland and enjoy eating Alberto's Mexican food till, you know, till I became 400 pounds and <laughs> whatever. But it's just, it's just this, we need to be open to God to shift our trajectory. Yeah, th- those are just a few instances from my story, but you know, for instance, I mean, Israel started, I'm sorry, Judah started going in a completely wrong way. They you know, started setting up, you know, you know, altars to, you know, to the Baals and setting up altars to Asherah, you know, the Asherah poles and, and worshiping foreign gods. And, and um, so this is Second uh, Kings uh, 11. Then Jehoiada uh, made a covenant between the Lord, the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people and another covenant. Uh, between the king and the people and all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down they smashed its altars and images to pieces and they killed Matan the priest of Baal at the altars then Jehoiada the priest anointed guards for the Lord's temple he took the commanders of hundreds the, the Karaites the guards and all the people of the land and they brought the king from the Lord's temple they entered the the king's palace by the way of the guards gate then Yoash uh, sat on the throne of the kings. All the people of the land rejoiced, and the pe- and the city was quiet, for they had put Athaliah to death by the sword in the king's palace. So uh, that's, I mean, this one illustration where they had gone a, a significantly wrong direction um, from worshiping the Lord, from honoring him, from glorifying him, to a worldly worldly way of thinking, to, uh, you know, to uh, adhering to the, 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 the the ways of the world around them the cultures around them um you know they they started to assimilate to um 
and syncretized to Israel's way, to the northern kingdom that had gone the way of worshiping the Baals and the Asherah and the, the foreign gods, but also not just even that, but the, their way of thinking as a society, turning from the Lord, turning from his ways, turning from uh, love of the Lord, love of God, um, or at least even serving him only, um, or serving him the way that he told, told them to, to serve him, to worship him. Um, and so this was a dramatic shift. You know, they had invested lots of money and, and you know, gold and silver and, and all these things and constructing all of these things. Um, think about, you know, Saul, you know, turning from, um, from, you know, from persecuting the church and imprisoning them and killing some, you know, and, and the amount of time and approval, social approval he had gotten to being told by the Lord, go in a different direction. You are being restored to a new way of being a new way of doing life, a new way of doing ministry that yeah, that's a way different way of doing ministry from persecuting and killing Christians to being one and loving them and, and now being a pastor and, and an apostle sent to minister to them and equip them for the work of ministry. I mean, that's, that is a dramatic shift of trajectory. Um, and so in, in our lives, um, I think as you see many different examples of repentance and, and shifting trajectories, you know, changing mind. You know, this is what re, you know, repentance metanoia means, is changing directions, changing your mind, changing your way of being, changing your way of, of thinking to go in a new direction, go, to go in the way of God. Um, and that's what we're talking about today with this, you know, the cost sunk fallacy is that no matter what it is, if God calls you to shift trajectory and to change and go in a new direction, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go and do it. You know, change your values, shift your life. You know, like, like another big one in, in my family's life, you know, two years ago, I decided that I was done being fat. And so I decided to go on a, on a drastic fasting um, regimen. And so over the course, course of the next eight, nine months, I lost about 100 pounds. Um, we also at that same time decided to shift our thinking about our finances from going and playing the credit card game and and all these things to going and having a disciplined budget and we're getting ready to pay off you know, finish paying off um a hundred and five thousand dollars worth of debt um in the next few months and from almost two you know from a little over two years um just the the discipline that we've had the the the, the help that we've gotten because we've been disciplined um just these you know seeing Seeing the Lord come through when we follow God's ways, He blesses it. And like I said, like I said, you know, uh, another thing I like too, like you know, you know, another another shift we made was tidying up our house and getting rid of stuff and shifting our thinking when it came to doing life just willy nilly without a reason, without a purpose. To now we have a family vision. We have a, a you know, basically we've created a family vision frame, which I'll I'll talk about in the future, but. You know, we have a mandate. We have, uh, you know, we've got a map for our lives. We've got values that we live by and practice you know, uh, these core practices that we that we live by. Um, and so that define our lives and going forward and seeing how these things do or do not abide by our family values. And that's where we spend our money, spend our time, uh, what goes in the budget, what comes out of the budget. And uh, and so it, it governs our lives because they're it based in scripture. Our mandate is just simply Genesis. Um, you know, uh, we'll get, I guess I'll get to that later. But um, so this is you know, having a vision for your life. 
um, so that no matter what, if God decides that he wants to shift the trajectory of your life, you, you can obey and go, and go. Follow, obey, because I guarantee you, it doesn't matter what you've lost. You could have lost, you know, thousands of dollars or lost, you know, you know, years of your life to a certain trajectory or direction in your life. But if God calls you to it, God will see you through it, like the cliche goes, like the, like the statement goes. But it's so true. If God has called you to it, if God is saying go, if God is saying stay, if God is saying change your thinking about how you're living in your current circumstances, shift your job, shift your thinking, God can redeem anything. And here, here's, an, here's what I want to kind of close with, is that as we think about that, and we th- oftentimes we can think about mistakes that we've made as well. You know, mistakes that we've sunk our life into or the way that we've sunk our thinking into, and we think it's too late. We think that, oh, the relationship that I have with this person or the relationship that I have with this job, maybe it's not leaving a job. Maybe it's just simply going to your boss and saying, hey, we need to work some new things out. I can't be working this many hours or, hey, I can't be doing this because my family is suffering or, hey, I am suffering and therefore this job is suffering. I love my job, but things need to change. Um, shifting trajectory just in your thinking maybe like maybe you need to take a pay cut and maybe take a you know a lesser you know take fewer hours um, just simply because you're killing yourself with your with your job or just the work environment whatever it is in your life like don't feel like you are stuck never feel like you are stuck you are not stuck you are never going to be stuck you are not stuck where you are you are not stuck where you're going you're not stuck in what you've done or what has been in the past the way that you've maybe parented your children maybe needs to needs to change. Maybe the way that you have run your life, your, your diet, run your finances, run your time management, run like anything we're talking about. This is all talking about, you know, the, going back to that, that concept of, you know, repentance, right? Metanoia, changing your mind, shifting your thinking. It is never too late. You are never stuck to, 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 for you, you it is never too late for a new beginning. It is never too late for a second chance, as it's been said. It's you are. It's never too late to restore, or to restore and to reconcile. It's never too late to start a new way of being, a new way of thinking. Um, so, because you know, if like I, I keep saying, like if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. And so, think about it in your life. Like, what is it in your life that you are are feeling stuck in? because of this cost sunk fallacy, a way of life, uh, a way of thinking, you know, a way of, you know, of, of you know, lifestyle or, um, or this is as good as it's going to get in this area of my life or not, or I've ruined it so too much in this area. I've, I've done this or that. You don't know, you don't know. And I've done this or that I've ruined things or I, I've, I've closed that door. It is never, the door is never closed. You're never stuck. If God is calling you to it, God has called you, God will be with you through it. God will help you to endure the shift in your life. God will help you and empower you to change. And so uh, I want to encourage you with that. Open up his word. See story after story after story of of people illustrating this this very true fact. That God empowers you for his mission no matter what, no matter when, no matter why, and no matter how. So... I hope this has encouraged you. And if you like to talk more about this, I'd love to have a conversation with you as well. Love to bring you here to my new favorite coffee shop here at Mazevo in Four Corners. So come and check it out. Get a white chocolate mocha. Tell me Alan sent you. So love you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.